Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode 165, 21st of January, and I'm Paul Spain. With me is Paul Brislin and Nate Dunn. Welcome along, guys. Thanks. Good to be here. How's your, uh, how have your years started? You off to a good one, Nate? Slowly. I'm actually technically not back at work for another two weeks, but I've run out of PlayStation to play, so I've gone back to the office to annoy the guys and muck around. So, yeah, that's how my very slow start. <laughs> oh, well, we, pre- we appreciate you uh, coming back early so you can join us. And Paul? Uh, I'm on day two. I've figured out how to wear shoes again. I'm not happy about that. Um, and long trousers itch and they get in the way and I'd rather be at the beach, frankly. But, oh, okay. you know, here we are. We'll see what happens. Now, Paul, for those that don't know where you fit into the, the technology world. I am the chief executive of Two Ends, which is the Telecommunication Users Association. So we're an advocacy group for telco users. Which is everybody. Everybody uses everybody. telecommunications. And Nate. Uh, I own a company called Three, but we're a software house and we're Zero's biggest custom developer globally, actually, which is quite nice. Congratulations. So, yeah, it's quite nice. That's Do good. they pay you in shares? <laughs> that would be very. I remember looking at the zero <laughs> shares when they when they floated a dollar, and then they went down about fifty or sixty cents, yeah. and thinking, "Nah, it's not worth it." And I wish I'd bought them. Don't you, Paul? Well, I wish I'd kept them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yes, but uh, good on uh, good on the zero team for uh, continuing to expand. It's good good mm. for our economy and good for all of those that have got shares and have kept them. Yes, yeah, Rod. Scoundrel. Uh, now, a few bits and pieces to chit-chat about. There's been a lot going on over the over the break with CS and so on. And uh, although I wasn't very well during CS, I did manage to get there. And there is some content that we will be putting online uh, in due course, collating together some of the oddities and strange things we came across at CS. So, um, so keep a watch out for uh, for that. Um, but in terms of other topics, we're going to dive into a few sort of local ones now. Nate, you posted on uh, on Facebook around this um, these uh, tags that people wear at uh, at music festivals and uh, events, the sort of rhythm and vines uh, parachute. Uh, festival which is coming up in the next uh, well this weekend uh, and you had some sort of concerns why don't you um, you want to run run through those maybe explain first what what, what my post was about well what what these tags are about that uh, I guess they're designed to replace uh, cash that we would have traditionally carried at a uh, at a music festival or an FPOS uh, an FPOS card mm. and uh, just talk us through what the sort of the pros and cons are for the for the event organizer and the and the and the punters and so on and um yeah so i didn't actually post this on my blog because i thought it's probably not the best to be uh criticizing a payment method used at a big uh, festival that's coming up this weekend so um yeah parachute's not the only one that uses it but it's a an rfid tag that uh, users wear and it's pretty simple you get the tag you then go to a kiosk or or some other designated area using uh, your credit card or fpos card you can then top up the um the RFID tag and then when you go to purchase food or drink or, or, or sunscreen or whatever you need um they just beat that card it, it deducts and um you go on your merry little way so you don't actually have to carry any um cash around it's a lot quicker and it's it's a little bit like the sort of um you know smart smart pay smart wave type uh, credit cards and that you just you you know you just sort of 
uh, tap it to uh, to do the transaction, right? Yeah. So your PayWave or your PayPass, it's pretty much ex- exactly the same. Um, and so the post what I put in is that the actual purpose of the the tagging, and I know this through uh, discussions with another festival director who I'm not going to divulge who it is. Um, the reason they do that is because a lot of these festivals have uh, take a not only charges a site or a per location fee for the, the food vendors, but they also want a percent of the sales. Um, and they tend to have issues with sort of creative accounting where people say, well, we didn't actually do X, Y, Z thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. and we only did a lot less, uh, so the percent's a lot less. So this way the actual um, organisers of the, the festival can be 100% sure of exactly what the turnover is, and so it's completely accurate, keeps everything above board, um, yeah, and it makes it nice and easy, obviously, for the, the patrons too. Um, so when they pay out the hot dog stand at the at at the end, the hot dog stands just getting their you know whatever percentage, yeah. And the festival or the music event gets uh, you know get gets, gets their, a, a gets small their, cut of whatever their sales get, gets their slice based Correct. on whatever their contracted agreement Correct. is. Yeah. Um, so my two concerns about it was you know one of the the um, things that parachute pushes is the fact that is uh, the tag is actually safer. But I was looking at uh, AWP AWOP, I suppose it is the provider. They're the provider of these um, the tags. tags, aren't they? Yep. And so they were saying that in their terms and conditions, they pretty much say that if you lose your tag or it's stolen. Tough pickies, it's gone. So I sort of not just really agreeing with the the fact that parachute are pushing it as safer than cash mm. because if I lose a twenty dollar note or I lose my tag, I've still lost twenty dollars regardless of the two. I yeah. guess the dif- the difference was that it t- those tags are usually on a wristband or something, so Correct. they might be harder to lose than a you know, a loose note that uh, could fall out of your pocket somewhere. Exactly, exactly. And then the second one was a refund, and this was actually through. Um, so one of my younger staff members uh, went home to Marston, and there was a I can't remember exactly the festival. She went to a festival down there and, and she was telling me about they had an exorbitant fee. I think it was 8 or $10 or $12 that if you had money left over on your card, the fee was so high that most people just thought, nah, flag it. And so um, my other thing was that it should be, you know, it's a cheap entry point. That's fine. But it also should be nice and cheap to get my money back out again. There shouldn't be a ridiculously high um, exit fee because that's not fair. And I, I think in my staff member's point of view, um, a lot of the people are going are students. Um, they can't really be bothered. But you, all those little ten and twelve dollar transactions add up to quite mm. a bit of money that ends up just mm. sitting in those coffers. So those are my two points about the the tag. So, and Paul, you had an interesting point around if there is money left on there, that mm. uh, there are probably some legal ramifications about what's what's fair in terms of cost to uh, to get your. You know, you get, refund get back if you've back. got credit yeah, left yeah. on there. Because if you think about, um, we, we have a lot of trouble at the moment with um, credit card fees, transaction fees. Uh, and the Commerce Commission's had a, a look at some of these uh, companies that charge uh, quite extortionate amounts for you to use your credit card. Uh, you, you're allowed to charge a reasonable amount. Uh, and of course, that's quite open to interpretation. But in this kind of instance, you'd be expecting uh, the charge um, to, to retrieve your money, presumably, to be on par with an FPOS. Uh, transaction, you know, a dollar, maybe a dollar fifty, something like that. Um, if they're charging ten or twelve dollars a go, then really, strictly speaking, I imagine they're going to end up in a world of trouble with the commission. Yeah, I think that that's a fair point. Now we put that to uh, Mark Diong, who's the uh, CEO at at, uh, at Parachute Music, and his feeling was that there wasn't a big uh, a big cost to actually pull your money off. Uh, but uh, you know, as he's not a punter, it's not probably something that he uh, he hits as well. So mm. um, it is probably worth checking that if you are going to any sort of uh, music festival, as to, you know, to know what does it cost me to get in to use one of these tags if that's the only pay- you know payment system to use during the event. 
and then what does it cost to get your money out afterwards? Now, they did have um, one thing, which actually you had suggested, Paul, when we were mm. chatting beforehand, um, which was some sort of charity uh, option at the yeah, end. Yeah, I, I think um, on one of the big issues they'll have is everybody leaving more or less at the same time. Uh, you're going to have to manage um, refunding, uh, you know, maybe thousands of people per hour uh, as they all leave. So why not simply um, give them the option to, to drop their tag in a bin, uh, collect them all up and give all of the um, excess money to charity. I know if I had 5 or $10 left, I'd rather do that than uh, than queue for half an hour to get my money back. Mm. Uh, and apparently they are already doing that, which is tremendous to see. I think that's a very um, uh, socially aware sort of thing to do. Mm. Yeah, I think they they mentioned a, a $30,000 being raised at their last ev- event for whether – I'm not sure who, who it was, mm. uh, you know, a World Vision or something like that. Yeah. And, uh Oh, that's probably Good quite a quite a nice, um, you nice know. and easy for everyone involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's right. So um, that that sort of thing's good. When yeah. I was actually doing the reading on and researching it, um, well, the, a Herald article came up and it talked about when the Snapper cards swap from Snapper to the new Hop cards, mm. and the Herald estimated that the amount of money left on all the random Snapper cards around was about two million dollars. Yeah, of just yeah. I'd believe it. So like, that is a ridiculous amount of yeah. you know three, four, five dollars, whatever left all over those cards. So mm. yeah, be it. Amazing to see what the parachute tags, um, how much would be left on those, anyway. and and I'm sure that's one of the benefits of of you know running your own, uh, I guess monetary system your own of, of some yeah, form. That's right. Uh, yeah, with, whether they you know however they treat the uh, you know the dollars once they're converted, mm. etc. Uh, there, yeah, there's a real benefit of that sort of uh, that sort of thing happening. So, um, yeah, think about rather, that sort of, rather nice that RF technology. Do you guys find yourself? And I'm going for a bit of a tangent. Do you find yourselves getting annoyed when you go to a place that doesn't have PayWave or PayPass? Yeah, that's right. And you're standing there thinking, "Oh, this is so so insert pin." Yeah, and and the chip and pin model uh, that when you insert the card, it takes so long. Yeah. We're talking at least an extra twelve seconds, I reckon, on average. But it feels so long, doesn't it, when you're standing there? It's ridiculous. The ones I hate are the terminals that say, "Yes, we do PayWave." But actually don't. They don't. Uh, yeah. And you're waving your car like a fool for a couple of minutes before somebody says, oh, no, actually, that doesn't work. Don't just do gotta, yeah, hopeless. Mm. Build mm. it into my cell phone and let me just get on with my Exactly. Dad. Make That's it quick. I want. I want to give you my money and yep. leave as quickly as I can. I'd like to give you some money. Please take it off me. Now, we have talked and we've trialed some of these uh, cell phone-based uh, payment systems yep. in the past. Uh, now, I just heard uh, in the last few days, actually, I think it's uh, three, one of the one of the big UK mm. networks that's been offering this capability to their customers as a live, you know, as a sort of a real thing for the last couple of years have uh, have pulled the plug on it. They've yep. said, yep. Uh, look, that was all good fun, but Too no, much like we're, hard work. Uh, we'll get out of it. we're, we're yeah. exiting it. And uh, it seems like there are a few challenges in this space. So although uh, we've yes. been told sort of stories of when all these things are going to be launched commercially in mm. New Zealand, uh, I guess it's quite a possibility that we, we may not actually see them come to fruition, certainly in the in the way that it's been expected yeah, um, yeah. any anytime any super time soon. soon. Well, it, it involves the cell phone companies in effect becoming banks in many respects. Uh, and a lot of them thought this would be quite straightforward and easy to do, and they're realizing there's a lot more involved than than just saying great we'll we'll gather the money for you and then give it to the uh to the shops or whoever you're buying through uh but also we've got such a plethora of um uh technologies until it standardizes on one or two different um uh units. Uh, and there's some kind of shared platform. At the moment, you're stuck with two degrees doing it one way, Vodafone's doing it a different way. Uh, you've got to make sure that the terminal works. There aren't that many terminals around the place. Um, you know, if, you, if you're doing this kind of thing, you want to do like PayWave and just uh, roll it out throughout the fleet 
as quickly as possible. And well, I guess the problem is that PayWave isn't isn't rolled no, out broadly enough, that, is yeah, it? So that, that, that's it's, kind of the issue yeah. because the phones rely on that tech technology. Now, and one of the other things uh, that happened uh, late last year was we found that Google have taken quite a different approach. So it used to be that you had to have a SIM card that had mm. the special secure element in it uh, to do the these types of, uh, you know, tap your cell phone on the uh, FPOS machine to make your payment uh, thing. You had to have that special SIM card. But uh, the way Google have, mod- have well um, tweaked Android and the in the latest releases, you can potentially do it all without having to without have that fancy SIM, yeah, SIM that's, card. That's right. That's right. Um, so that sort of, I guess, is part of what's going to throw into disarray the yeah. the whole concept of these special yep. uh, SIM cards, and it you know puts it back to uh, yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe being a bit a bit more flexible and a bit easier, but mm. probably that's going to delay the whole process of actually actually seeing a real. Product in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right, and it's a shame. I think it's it's a lot easier. I'd like to carry less things, not more, uh, fewer items, rather than um, uh, having to get another card. And and you know, uh, I just want it all on my phone. Thanks. It's got a little SIM card in there. Basically, it knows who I am and what I'm doing, and it's got all my account details. So why not just let me shop with it? Hmm. The other side of that coin is obviously from the merchant's point of view. Like for example, with the cafe we've got is that we we lease our. Um, uh, terminal because mm. the technology changes so quickly and so if you think about especially a lot of the the dairies I know um, buy their terminals if you've spent say a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars on a terminal there's got to be a pretty compelling business yep. case for you to to get a terminal with paywave drop another fifteen hundred dollars so it, it's all nice having let's say everyone gets it on their phones but if you've got no um, Nothing no for mechanism. the merchants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, gonna, you're gonna have this amazing payment mechanism, uh, payment process, and none of the merchants are gonna <laughs> be able to accept using it. So, yeah, yeah, and it, it's certainly still it's still an issue at the moment, isn't it? Yep. Now, New Zealand's internet prices. Um, we've had a bit of an update from the OECD, Paul, in terms of where New Zealand lands. Mm. Apparently, we're we're reasonably sort of middle of the road in terms of in yeah. terms of yeah <laughs> in terms of the general rankings there. Yeah. yeah. Um, how accurate do you think that report is? We discussed this quite a mm. bit before we started recording. In terms of you know, there are a whole lot of different ways of of measuring these That's things, right. and you know, there are there are certain areas where we maybe look better than we are. Other areas where we probably look a lot worse than yeah. Than, yeah. than we are. Uh, how how fair is this report? Well, it's um, it's. Uh, equally unfair to everyone, I, I suspect, is the best way to put it. Um, every time the OECD releases a report like this, and it does these on a regular basis, uh, it comes in for um, flack from one end or the other because you've left something out or you're not measuring something the way that we think it should be measured. Uh, but at least the thing you get with the OECD report is a, a set of consistent benchmarks that are applied over time so you can measure the question is of course whether they're measuring the right things um so for a long time they had three baskets for uh mobile products and services Mm. and uh, most of the countries would complain bitterly that the uh the small medium and large baskets didn't actually reflect usage in their countries uh in new zealand for instance we've uh, we've got a long tradition of having um short term special offers driving the market and the oecd figures simply don't reflect short term special offers so you know in, in one regard it is unfair and it is um uh leaving out a lot of information but on the other hand there's nobody else doing this kind of work at all and uh, at least it's consistent throughout the years so you can compare one country with another over a period of time mm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like trying to compare mobile plans even within a country. Oh, you try and compare between the you know <laughs> the three carriers, and they've all yep. you know at certain levels. Yeah, they can have quite similar options, but uh, mm. as, as you uh, get into more complex situations, and uh, yeah, you look across a business with ten users or a hundred users or a thousand users, and all sorts of different data usage and calling usage and texting usage. Yep. Uh, yeah, doing those sort of comparisons is it's, heavily, it's heavily yeah, complex. Yeah. So. There are a couple of companies that will go through your phone records and, and try and work that out for you and, and pick the best plan for you. Uh, but even then, uh, all it takes is for a new device to come on the market, like an iPhone, for example, and your usage patterns completely change overnight. Mm. And uh, uh, it's very difficult to compare apples with apples in, in, a, in a fair and consistent way. The OECD does quite well at it, I think. They, um, uh, this particular set of stats that came out were all around um, uh, fixed-line broadband usage, and, and the figures aren't um, too much of a surprise, I don't think, to anybody. But they certainly don't capture the extremes of the market. So um, to say we're sitting in the middle for most things is uh, is probably about right, I suspect. Mm. For those that are interested, um, Bill Bennett put this up on uh, on digital.co.nz and on and on GeekZone. Um, look out for his topic uh, or his article titled "New Zealand Broadband Prices in Global Mid Range." There's a link there to. Um, what he's referred to as uh, it's the point topic country scorecard um, to actually see some of the uh, the behind the scenes data if you're interested. In so you guys into uh, that a little bit more. You guys mm-hmm. keen to move to Russia because that's got the Russia or Finland are the two the two top. Or well, Finland's good. They've got nice vodka. In we could we could go to Bolivia, which is the worst. <laughs> so so maybe. I don't know. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle's not too bad. For a long time, we were in the bottom quarter, so somewhere in the middle's quite a good step up. Heading in the right uh, direction. But yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, it doesn't capture things like, yeah, what is your data limits? So uh, most of New Zealand's plans are capped. Uh, most of the plans we're being compared with aren't. So that's going to skew your, your results because, of course, if you want uh, 1,000 gigs of data in a month, uh, it won't cost you any more on an unlimited plan, but it might cost you a couple of hundred dollars more in New Zealand. So it's you know it's one of these variables that um, uh, you've just got to keep an eye on, really. Mm, mm. Uh, now, one topic which we'll, we'll probably dive into uh, over the next couple of weeks, but uh, we should mention it because it happened uh, just before Christmas was the uh, new Mac Pro from Apple, which everybody that's mm. um, really into their video editing and, and high end sort of graphic stuff on on Macs has been sort of waiting for a long time and wondering whether Apple was ever going to come out with a new Mac Pro and then we sort of heard last year yes they are uh, they said we're launching it in 2013 and they did just just um, and sort of because uh, the product was sold out virtually instantly so they made six I don't know how many they made, but these are massively powerful uh, machines. They come in at uh, just under five thousand uh, New Zealand dollars. This is the cylinder, isn't it? This is the fancy looking the cylinder, glorious looking bit of future tech. Well, we'll be able to tell how tell how glorious it is shortly because uh, one is arriving over the next uh, couple of days, and uh, we will be reporting back on. Uh, just actually what we think of this uh, fancy new machine. Mm. I looked on Apple's uh, web store, and if you happen to want to order one today, they're shipping in March. So they're, okay. they're, um, they've obviously got some supply constraints there, but yes. I imagine also that uh, there are a few people, there's a bit of pent-up uh, demand for these things. Well, it does look glorious, doesn't it? I mm. mean, you have one of those sitting on your desk, and you are living in the future, really. Um 
Although you'll probably have to pay it off for quite some time into the future, I imagine. Was it five thousand? Five grand is this is the sort of starting, starting point. price. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, if, you're, if you're really. using that professionally, yeah, uh, then right. um, hey, it's a it's a tool for the trade. So, Tell the boss, if you, can, you need one. If you can get the job done in half the time, then it's good. If it makes Pretty your office look a little bit better. Hey, there's Don't another there's it. another reason to get one, right? That's right. It's um, even if you just browse the web. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but we'll so we'll we'll come back we'll come back on that topic uh, once once we've had a good uh, a good look. Uh, now, Kim.com's sort of been these. Uh, Back in the media a little bit over the la- over, the, over the, the over the last few days. Yeah, well, I remember yeah. him saying a year ago when he did his uh, uh, launch of Mega.co.nz, yeah. he said, "Look, I'm I'm going to you know t- uh, look, I've been in the media a lot. I'm going to spend a few months sort of just you know doing my thing." And to a degree, there was there was a you know a block of time there when uh, he wasn't sort of quite in your face mm. all the time. Yeah. Uh, but right now, he uh, he very much is, and he's got his new album that's launched, which is climbing the charts on climbing iTunes. Climbing them, it is. It is uh, number eleven on iTunes today. Apparently, mm, mm. Um, must on. say I wasn't particularly blown away with the music, but I'm sure there will be some that are judged by the um, the chart results. So yep. we we will see how that goes. Um, and he certainly collaborated with a few. Um, yeah, musical, uh, uh, well, musical talents, shall legends, we say? Legends. So, uh, so you know that that will certainly um, yeah helps in uh, in producing a good result. Um, but isn't this idea of um, of an internet party of which he can't actually be the uh, the leader of or can't be an, an, MP, can't be an MP for? Yeah, um, because he needs to become a New Zealand citizen That's for that right. to happen, and he's only at permanent residence yep. status. Like me. Is that he's right? Only, he's only a resident. He's not a uh, citizen. So, uh, are you not a citizen? I'm not. No, no. I've never really. You had never jumped through that hoop. A thousand dollars kicking around with burning a hole in my pocket. I know. I'll get another piece of paper that says I can. Do what I'm already doing. So yeah, no, I've I've left that be. But uh, one day I'll sort it out. You can all come down to the town hall and we'll all sing "God Defend New Zealand" and we'll be away. Oh, lovely. Um, uh, have a cup of tea with the mayor. But um, uh, yeah, he's 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 launched this party. Well, not really, because it was all uh, it was all launched for him uh, by a, a certain right wing blogger who shall remain nameless, who uh, who broke the story. Uh, and I suspect before they were ready to announce, because we've seen none of the policies or the. Uh, uh, who will be involved in it? So it's really quite hard to judge just how it will uh, how it will go. I suspect. So do we need a new uh, political party, Nate? Oh, I'm probably the worst person to. Uh, I have, I am sitting on the fence. I'm very political stuff. Just bores me. If I'm really honest, <laughs> I really don't care. But I mean, some of the some of the topics definitely are are of interest, right? That 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 the. the the party stand for whether they're going to give us ultra fast broadband or uh, international connectivity. The yeah, I mean there are a bunch of things that that, have, that affect all of us, and we're just sort of sort of talking tech stuff now. But there's probably a few other other things that impact us as well yeah. outside, outside of tech. I have no idea what those things <laughs> what would they be. could possibly be. Uh, but there might might be one or two. But uh, yeah, I mean, Paul, mm. have you got to sort of pick on the sorts of things that he's going to? Uh, you know, let's say they got their five percent, yep. and uh, Kim Doc. Com's internet party um, were you know able to pull a you know a bunch of MPs into government yep. uh, into into parliament and uh, they managed to negotiate a deal with with whichever uh, whichever party is. Yep. Uh, to uh, to have some influence. Mm. What sort of things do you think that they might put on the on the table? Well, I'd be looking for a raft of things. I think um, we've got this Trans Pacific Partnership. Uh, agreement that's being negotiated. There's a lot of concern around the intellectual property chapter 
um, uh, and what that might do to New Zealand software development, for one thing. Um, uh, so they're going to have to have a close look at that. Uh, Kim is very keen on the whole privacy issue, of course. Absolutely. Um, after being spied on by the GCSB and various other entities, we've really not had a good debate around uh, the GCSB, our role in the wider um, intelligence gathering community. Uh, and given um, New Zealand's relationship with the US versus our relationship with China, uh, we're very much caught in the middle between these two superpowers, and we really do need to get a lot of that sorted out. Uh, I'd like to see more effort placed on international co- connectivity. Um, I don't think any of the political parties really understand how critical that is to uh, New Zealand's um, economic development. Uh, and then I'd like to see a lot more emphasis placed on ICT as an economic driver because we've got an opportunity to build an industry that's easily as large as dairying is, uh, is utterly sustainable. You know, it's just a bunch of, bunch of people sitting in rooms with, uh, with mice and keyboards. You certainly don't need to dig up the national park to do it. Um, if we had a hundred companies the size of zero, uh, I think we'd have quite a different economy on our hands and quite a different, um, economic basis to work from. Oh, so I'd like to see a lot would. more of that coming along yeah, rather than, yeah. uh, the debate around the copyright bill that we had last, was it last year or the year before that was just, horrible to watch it was like a train wreck sure. people who don't understand making decisions about things they can't even pronounce uh for the betterment of all of us and completely failing good good see anything in there of interest nate will you vote for no. me nate uh, yeah if you stand i'll vote for you <laughs> yeah i'm just uh, i'm like a deer caught in the headlights like what do you think uh it's shiny <laughs> paul brislin for prime minister oh god could you, you imagine? Gonna, would you stand on uh, on kim.com's no. uh, internet party ticket uh, thankfully, I think politicians actually work far too hard. I, I have uh, seen them uh, at airports at seven in the morning and at seven at night, and they've worked every minute in between. Uh, but as I say, I'm not a citizen, so um, yeah, you have to find somebody else to head down to Wellington. I don't know. Uh, somebody might sponsor that thousand dollars to get to get you in there, Paul. No, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> a weekend job, maybe. Do it when I've finished with the gardening. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, so yeah, we're being. I'd be certainly interested, and in, I'm, I'm sure that we'll mm. see a lot more sort of uh, you know as as the broader media starts covering the topic and and uh, you know policies and so on start uh, start getting shared. So yeah, if in, nothing else, it'll raise ahead. the profile of it, and that's mm. got to be a good thing. I think. Mm. Now, um, something I saw a lot of at CES was uh, vehicles that are electric. It's all about the EV over there, the electric vehicle. Uh, now, the Herald put an interesting article out in the last um, day or two around EV charging actually becoming a little bit of an issue, which I was surprised to read because I met up with uh, uh, a chap there when I was looking at uh, BMW's new i3, which is their all-electric, all uh, their first all-electric mm. uh, car that's you know complete um, electric design from scratch and so on. Uh, that's permanently connected to the internet as well. Um, well, as long as you're in sort of coverage. Uh, but I had a bit of a chat to him, and he was saying that there are 15,000 EV charging spots uh, in the US already right now. Uh, and I was thinking, well, how can there be an issue with uh, with the number of um, of charging slots? But it seems we have a bit of a problem there. Yeah, it looks very much like... Uh if you've got somebody who's got one of these things, um, they soon accrue lots of other people in the company who also have them. If you've got six or seven charging stations and 20 or 30 employees who want to use them, uh, that's going to be a, a bit of a problem. But it also, um, uh, it's almost a domino effect uh, through the rest of the national grid. 
uh, because there aren't many countries with a new national grid. Most of them are cobbled together over the last hundred years, uh, and they're not well designed to take on that much extra capacity uh, on each of the substations. It would require quite a bit of effort, I suspect, to upgrade the substation to cope with uh, charging electric vehicles uh, on that kind of scale. Uh, and given that it's not like the gas station where you just pull in, fill up and move on, um, you actually need to start thinking about how you resource um, parking these things for two or three hours to charge them uh, and um, what that will do to our electricity supply. So here in New Zealand, we're very well placed because most of our power comes from renewable resources. Um, that's fine. But in the States, you know, you've already seen Google and Apple coming under fire from shareholders for having uh, huge reliance on dirty power. Uh, 60% coal, 40% nuclear, you know, that's only going to increase as time goes by. And um, it's going to become a big issue for some of these, uh, some of these um, silicon centers like Silicon Valley that, uh, that are uh, home to not only people who want to do this kind of thing, but see it as a benefit to the uh, wider society. Yeah, well, I think I mean there's a big demand for us to move move away from uh, or move to you know more renewable energy mm. for vehicles and certainly move away from our uh, reliance on uh, on fossil fuels. Nate, have you been sort of following this whole um, you know move with with electronic vehicles? We've got you know the Tesla, which has had a you know had a lot of media attention. Is it something that sort of pushed any buttons for you? And you've been thinking, oh, I'd quite like to sort of move to a, an electronic vehicle, or is that something that's sort of been sitting in the background and that technology? Technology isn't isn't too exciting for you just yet. I really like the Tesla. I mean, I've watched a, co- <clears throat> a couple of reviews where they've had car reviews um, compare. I think the, the one I watched was the Aston Martin versus the mm. um, the Tesla, and because it's and I know nothing. I know about as much about cars as I know about <laughs> politics because of the um, it doesn't have a gearbox, a variable yeah. electric motor. It mm. can mm. It talk. Whatever goes instant talk. Yep, yep. goes mm. pretty much much faster than the Aston Martin. There you go. There's the layman's description. It amazes me, yeah, you know, what they're doing. And I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Musk. Musk. That's Musk. the one. Elon Musk. Elon yeah. Musk. And how he's he took over. Um, I can't remember where the factory was, and, and just tidied it all up. And he's done it. Mm. If you haven't watched, um, find him on YouTube. Watch the documentary about uh, Tesla. It's just amazing. One feature I would like them to add, and this is because someone reversed into me the other day, some sort of detection that, I don't know, st- the big bumpers on cars. So if someone tries to reverse into you, <laughs> they just bounce off. Yeah, that'd yeah. be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. There's I'll my patentable idea. Yeah. You'll have to get a Volvo, at least <laughs> they with the airbags on the outside. Uh, so if you hit a pedestrian, oh, pedestrian the airbags, yeah, yeah, yeah. you might adapt that. Perhaps yep. for mm. um, people yeah, reversing they, into they you. could work. And that maybe a short work. little jolt yeah. of electricity to the driver. Well, the, yeah. Um, the, the yeah Elon Musk and, and uh, Tesla they've um, uh, I guess sort of followed an Apple type lead and they've gone with uh, retail stores so they've got you know that's that's part of what they're doing I was in a, a shopping um, area in LA and walking past one shop another shop and then you know not your usual car yard there's a there's a Tesla. you know a Tesla store right next to a clothing store and I think there was an Apple store nearby and so on and and you go and and you can see all the fancy and um and very cool things that uh, that Tesla are up to. Mm. Um, so yeah, interesting. But I, I mean, we're going to see more of this sort of stuff, and uh, I I think 
yeah, there will be some challenges, and certainly in places like New Zealand, in terms of uh, yeah, um, as Paul says, getting getting the infrastructure right to be able to support it. Mm. Um, but the yeah, the issue they seem to be having in the US uh, is a as a company might set up, a, you know, let's say they set up ten charging stations for uh, for their staff to come and charge at, and initially there might only be you know three, four, five uh, people with electric vehicles, but those numbers seem to be growing really quickly, and suddenly you've got uh, fifty staff and only uh, uh, ten charging points and uh, there's all sorts of issues and fights between staff and all sorts that are uh, that are cropping up so um, yeah what initially started as a nice benefit for staff actually uh, could maybe be turning into something uh, um, that that, that's an issue which was nice because you know a lot of those Silicon Valley type companies and I remember visiting uh, Electronic Arts uh, EA the gaming guys and from my my pick anyway was it looked as though it was free you know free juice for people to juice up their uh, their cars um, but that perk might be disappearing that if there's not enough uh, slots yeah. and all those sorts of things so that's right yeah. don't don't you think it's fascinating you've got the the sort of the coming in from left field someone like Tesla taking out all the big boys and I compare it very much to someone like Netflix or Hulu mm. taking out the big content providers in that space so you're getting this disruptive technology yeah blindsided yep. from not an existing player, but a much smaller, nimble player who mm. just comes in and just yeah wipes the floor with everyone else. Yeah. Well, I'm not quite sure that they're they're wiping the floor. I mean, Tesla are doing extremely well, and 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 I think it is a huge surprise to many that mm. a new startup like this could come in and and do so well. Uh, but they've got a long way to go. But yeah, I think they they've, they have got a fair way to go. And when we see, for instance, uh, I mean, there were so many of these BMW i3s that you could jump in and uh, mm. drive around. Uh, Vegas if you're at, at, at CES. Now I didn't queue up for the full drive, but I spent some time in one of them and playing with all the, all the tech and, uh, yeah, very, very cool. Did it blow your um, screen? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, uh-oh. it was, uh, it was running Android. No, I can't, I can't remember <laughs> oh, her, uh, oh. what the, the, I don't know what the software was, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, pretty cool. You could browse the web, uh, you know, at 100 on, kilometers on, now. Yeah. Brilliant. From, from the controls of your vehicle if you wanted to. Now, uh, I did it while the car wasn't moving, which was uh, somewhat safer. But mm. uh, yeah, there were, there were a whole bunch of things about these vehicles that is uh, is very is very very cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to that era growing. But one point that uh, stood out for me was that the whole industry. Bar Tesla yeah. now has standardised on a on a way of charging them. So um, the charge point that do all of these charging stations. Yeah, you, know, you can pull up any any of the EVs now. Pretty much yeah. uh, plug into them, uh, but with Tesla, uh, it's a different system. They've got a slightly different system. Right. Although apparently now you can uh, you can pay um, pay them for a you know some sort of a com- converter. Probably means it doesn't charge as quick and yeah. it's and, the micro and so USB so. debate on. <laughs> Really yeah. large, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. iPhone versus versus all the rest mm. from a charging perspective. How long so. did it take mobile phones to come up with a standard micro USB? And the car manufacturers have done it straight off the. Well, no, I think it has taken them some time, and yeah. I think the standard isn't necessarily the same across countries as well. So I That'd think there's, right. there are some different standards there. But you so. think back about to uh, to before Tesla came along, uh, electric cars were boxy. They had little wheels. They were horrible little things that nobody in their right minds drove because they weren't being designed as cars. They were really, I think, being designed by car companies to make sure nobody ever wanted one. Mm. They were unsexy, (laughs) deeply, deeply horrible cars. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tesla came along and said, why don't we make a car that actually works, just happens to drive on electricity? Mm. Uh, And that's really changed the entire industry. And and now you see Porsche coming out, uh, Lamborghini are talking about it. Uh, you, uh, there's a um, an electric. My wife drives a Mitsubishi Outlander, 
uh, and there's an electric Mitsubishi Outlander. I mean, that is a four-wheel drive, tow the trailer, go off-road, rugged thing, and it's electric. It, it's it's really changed uh, all of the car companies, and mm-hmm. and for the mm-hmm. better, I think. The uh, the the point that uh, has, has stood out to me from chatting to a few people that drive them is that when you move to an electric vehicle, it does change the way you drive yeah, because yeah. you're thinking about, oh, what's the best way to get from this city to that city? Uh, you're thinking about, oh, what is the way that I'm going to get the most mileage because I don't want Maybe to run out there. and, oh, <laughs> what's the route that's going to take me yeah. to a charging station so I can stop and have lunch for an hour whilst my vehicle uh, charges at a sort of a you know, part way point. And so that's something that really cha- got New challenges that yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, aren't, aren't, aren't so easy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tesla have sort of propositioned an idea where you could pull up to a station and they would automatically they'd have a machine that can basically pull out all your batteries and replace right. them with a fully charged set. Uh, but I'm not sure that's actually a real concept that's actually no. going to going to happen. Swap a gas bottle or not? That could yeah. be could be pretty expensive. It's yeah, it's not yeah. quite as simple as swapping a gas bottle in terms of you know the value of swapping out some old batteries for some new ones or vice mm, versa and, right. and so on. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, but uh, hey, fun space to watch and. Uh, we look forward to hearing from mm. um, the car companies that are in New Zealand about uh, giving yeah, we'll us some to play drive. with. Yes, I'll take the so, um, so yeah, and contrast. Yep. It's so, um, so there you go. The, um, the the challenges there, guys, start bringing in some electric vehicles into New Zealand. Uh, now, the other thing we wanted to chat about before we finished up is um, these new little um, eight-inch Windows tablets mm. that sort of started arriving on the market. Uh, there are three that have landed sort of so far. Uh, Lenovo have got their little um, their little eight point one inch, uh, and that one's just locked itself, hasn't it, Paul? It has. Um, it has. You can't juggle that. You need We've got uh, Toshiba with their um, Encore is their um, their Windows tablet, and Dell have come out uh, with something also in this sort of eight inch uh, eight inch form form factor. Um, now, Paul, what's your sort of pick? You're holding the Lenovo one, this which is the, is Lenovo, the sleekest yeah. of the of the the bunch, and we haven't yep. got the Dell one. Uh, here, but that sort of sits in terms of weight and size, sort mm. of between the Lenovo and the uh, and the and the Toshiba. Yeah, the have, Toshiba's I mean, the, ha- the big fat fellow, isn't it? It's it's quite thick, it's quite heavy. Yeah, um, the Lenovo yeah. is very easy to hold one handed and, and just use, uh, and uh, it's it's a really good size device. I think it's um, uh, it feels good in the hand. It, it's got certainly got the firepower to to deliver. Um, it runs on the Atom. Doesn't it? This one. Yeah. This this is the new uh, at, at Bay Trail Atom uh, processor from Intel. So what that means is it's 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 the nice sort of touch friendly Windows eight point one. Yeah. But in the background there, you can actually. I mean, it comes with Microsoft Office and the you know the full Windows desktop and so on. So you can run all the the old school uh, or traditional Windows apps if if you uh, if you want to, which. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not not sure who this is going to uh, this is going to fit for, but yeah. a, as time goes on and these things, um, you know, become more commonplace, I, I can see, you know, particularly as we tend to do more and more on tablets, uh, it could actually become a practical sort of you know working type tool. What it do you is, think? Yeah, yeah, it's a good size for that kind of thing, um, uh, and I certainly wouldn't have a problem 
jamming one of these in my bag and, and using that as a travel device instead of um, taking the whole laptop. Uh, I'm, I'm a, an iPad user and I've got the, the keyboard. I, I need a keyboard uh, for everything that I do. But it, it's remarkable how quickly I've moved away from needing a laptop um, to needing a desktop and an iPad to now really just needing one device uh, mm. that's portable. And and these these are uh, another step along that path. I think you could potentially uh, do away with needing a cell phone as well, and just um, just reduce to something in between. Yeah, well, one of the devices that I spent some time uh, with recently was the new uh, Nokia Lumia fifteen twenty, which is their uh, their right. six inch, yeah, yeah, uh, sort of yeah, phablet device, gorgeous full HD screen, mm. really, I mean, really chunky. Um, or you know, really, really large that screen. Uh, but it seems that those that have actually made that jump to that bigger six-inch yeah. form factor, which is you know heading in the direction of a of a of a full-blown tablet, we've got a lot of seven-inch tablets That's now. Right. That's right. Uh, that yeah, a lot of those people that have made that leap are saying, look, I just can't can't go back to my uh, you know smartphone with a with a five-inch or four-inch yeah. type right. uh, screen. Suddenly they're tiny um, because actually. That that does that does yeah, work yeah. for them, w- w- the which is interesting. So, I mean, do you guys think we're going to see we're going to see Apple coming out with uh, with a phablet this year with something with a bigger screen? I mean, their whole thing has always been, you know, around you know, look, it's it's so natural that your finger can get you know all around your whole screen when you're just holding your phone with one hand. Uh, but once you get used to something that's a, a two handed uh, device. It's not so bad, is it? No, no. I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't know if Apple will, though. They seem to be um, intent on uh, developing and, and building on what they've got rather than coming out with anything new at the moment. So I wouldn't hold out much hope for anything exciting this year, I don't think. I'd like to know when I can stop subscribing to the Herald at the cafe and just have two tablets and then people will feel comfortable enough to sit there and browse the Herald on a tablet so I don't have to keep paying for it. Subscription every month would be nice. <laughs> I'd back that. So you would yeah. you would front up for the hardware cost of a gadget, and then you would give those out instead of newspapers for people to read. But isn't that one of the things that's kind of I don't know? There's something you know about that sort of physical feel of picking mm. up a paper. You go to the cafe, and no, you, you just you, get ink on your you, fingers. You read the paper. People, yeah, people actually like women. And this I've got three years of experience with this. Women read magazines. Guys read the paper. We tried all sorts of guys' magazines and, and guys don't read them. Um, and before the Herald moved to the new smaller factor, yeah. we sp- the staff would spend hours. I don't, some people will read the paper. They pretty much pick it up, throw it down, and then just pull random pages out of it. So you put it back together and there's like sport at the front and then worlds. <laughs> you're just like, how the heck did you read this? Cause it's all over the place. Um, even from practicalities, like we went through a stage where someone was pinching. Both our heralds in the morning, which was quite nice. Um, you know, just having a couple of tablets where people could sit down, have a coffee, tap, tap, tap. You've also got security impl- impl- implications, sorry, you know, that, so they don't, someone doesn't accidentally walk out. Ah, oh, no, tablet, that's you know, okay. As you do. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I would love to move to a couple of tablets and I would more than happily shell out for it because it would solve so many problems, but. Well, you probably wouldn't if they were disappearing each morning. Yeah, that's a bit of a problem. Coffee, you could, <laughs> coffees could go up to $100 each. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how far we are. Mm. And sorry, I've taken this completely on a random tangent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are bigger devices than, you know, than the iPad mini, but uh, 
um, yeah, looking at this Lenovo one, it's it's a pretty capable device, and I'm yeah, I'm quite interested in just in terms of how practical that might be. You know, could I live with just one yeah, of these one device. and somehow uh, hook that up to a monitor? Now, this this one you could use um, you could use the the uh, Intel's WiDi protocol. You could use a wireless protocol to push it up onto uh, onto a bigger screen. Mm-hmm. It probably have to be. Uh, well, there's a range of screens actually that can that can that can uh, do do that, um, and then you could use a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse with it. So maybe that's a possibility. Now the Toshiba um, part of it being a, it being a bigger package is it does have a uh, micro HDMI port on it, so you can actually plug that straight into uh, a screen. Which when I but the downside of or the issue I had with that when I tested it was it wouldn't let you actually sort of uh, mirror your screen, so it treated it as a second screen. In addition to your normal one, so right, it right. didn't it didn't quite work right. Um, yeah. I've looked online and there appear to be some some workarounds to that. Maybe some software updates and so on that deal with it. But this would be um, really handy when you travel because I, I don't know about you guys, but when you especially when you go to a hotel, the the t- I don't know why all the TV systems are always rubbish. Mm. So it'd be nice yeah. to have you know you could have a couple of movies on here, plug this in, and actually watch a decent movie instead of paying a the hotel for it, and then b trying to work out which menu trying to get around. Yeah, so I mean, I've got a, I've got a, um, a flight coming up where, you know, I'm not planning to take, you know, anything other than, uh, than, than carry on. Mm. And yeah, the thought is, ooh, could I get away with just, with, with just something just of this sort of, of this size. sort of form factor yeah, for that yeah. short period? And as Paul said, some sort of, uh, yeah, some sort of keyboard, mm. uh, for, uh, yeah, for, for tapping out emails and, and, and bits and pieces and the fact that it could, yeah, I can do full office and put some pieces on there. Should I, should I need to on a on a on a short journey? Um, maybe that could work. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I'm surprised to see a lack of keyboard covers for these things. Uh, you know, Apple's really um, it, it's done very well off the back of people like me who want a keyboard uh, and don't want to carry two things. Uh, coming up with keyboards that just snap on. Um, you know the um, the Logitech keyboard cover is a uh, hundred bucks and and does the job ideally, but there's very few of them for the uh, for the Windows market. And I think that's one of the the things that the bigger players have. They've got that big market share. Yeah, we look right. at Apple, we look at Samsung. Is that the accessory makers like Logitech, who mm. seem to be you know owning it as far as sort of really innovating with with a lot of those uh, you know covers and and so on. Uh, is yeah, just the sheer size of of you know product yeah, yeah. sales for Apple and Samsung products. Uh, when we're just you know we're not seeing a whole lot for even Microsoft Surface no, uh, exactly. products. We're yeah, not yeah. seeing a lot of third party uh, accessories there. So that is one of the downsides of uh, of going with a you know with a more obscure product. That's, 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 right. that's just the reality of it. So mm. uh, yeah, I guess it, it just depends on whether these things pick up a bit more market share. Uh, before we'll see the the Logitechs and That's so on right. coming up with a few more accessories. It's a bit of a chicken and an egg, isn't it? Because people like me can't switch until we've got the accessories, and they won't come along until we all switch. So yeah, yeah, bit of a problem. Mm, mm. All right. Well, uh, hey, thanks guys for joining us. Now that uh, wraps us up for uh, for this week. Now, Paul, we can track you down online. You can. You find me on Twitter at uh, Paul Brislin uh, or at the Two Ends website, twoends.org.nz. Excellent. And Nate, yours, Mine, yours is even easy. easier. Just find me at Nate or um, on my blog, which tends to be on the front page of Geek Zone. So just go to Geek Zone. It's probably the easiest way to find me. Excellent. And you can track me down on Twitter at Paul Spain and uh, around all the other uh, social networks. And uh, nztechpodcast.com is our uh, website. 
Uh, and uh, NZ Tech Podcast is also on uh, on all the social networks, Twitter, um, Facebook, and uh, and Google Plus even these days. So, uh, which is uh, slowly slowly growing there, and it's. Uh, and it's popular. Some people seem to just love it and live on it, mm. but um, it seems to be a, a small minority. But there you go. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next week. See ya. <laughs>